The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi, Leslie's executive producer. I am with you for the next hour before Leslie rejoins us following her TV appearance, as uh, we do every Wednesday from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mark J. Grimaldi. That's M-A-R-K-J-G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. Trying to make sure I spell my own name correctly today. Uh, I am very lucky to be uh, joined in this half hour by Will Bunch, who is a veteran political journalist and author of the recent Amazon Kindle single ebook, The Burn Identity, A Search for Bernie Sanders and the New American Dream. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a piece that uh, Will wrote for his um, popular political blog uh, on the Philadelphia Daily News called, I believe I'm pronouncing this right, Will, is it Attitude? Yeah, that's how we say that. People in Philadelphia have an ad- attitude, but but we all say it with our Philly accent. So it's oh, good. I like it. Yeah, I saw you also wrote a book about the Eagles. You'll be happy to know I'm a suffering football fan as well because uh, I'm originally from Buffalo. So uh, yeah, I've been... I know you guys. I know you, I know the show has a big Buffalo connection. So yeah, uh, we've yeah, been. Uh, I, I, I can I can commiserate absolutely. We've so. been tormented for years. Two, 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 two teams. How many teams at all have not won a Super Bowl? Right. Yeah. Exactly. We'll uh, we'll talk about that another day let's get to more depressing news with donald trump (laughs) um so you know your piece i found very interesting because as a lot of other people did um you know i heard about what happened to uh photojournalist chris harris at a trump rally this week but before we get into that um you know i thought it was very interesting uh your piece which uh is entitled forget spotlight there's a war against journalism which you can find on the attitude blog um which is uh from the philadelphia daily news that will writes um and basically you know you use the transition from spotlight winning movie of the year which uh you know talks about in your blog the, the golden age of journalism uh if you will as as past tense from 2002 which really doesn't seem that long ago um you know what it has been 14 years however you know a lot of people think we're still in that era but your piece uh i think makes an effective argument as to why we're not so why don't you start off by telling us in your opinion how newsrooms and uh journalism in general has changed since 2002 in your mind will uh, oh my gosh it's funny you know i i can see how you and somebody who hasn't followed the business would would say that 14 years wasn't a long time but I mean, yeah. <laughs> It's just been an eternity. Uh, I mean, I'll just briefly mention my own paper, the Philadelphia Daily News, which is a sister, cousin, whatever you want to call it, to the the Philadelphia Inquirer. We're the two daily papers in Philadelphia, and we've had common ownership for a long time. And uh, since 2006, uh, I honestly can't tell you how many owners we've had because we've all kind of lost track, but we've we've been owned by uh, somewhere on the order of uh, six to eight entities over over the different years. Uh, Local ownership, hedge funds. Uh, big national chains, uh, uh, you, you name it. And, and in fact, uh, earlier this year, um, uh, we're kind of blazing a trail here. But uh, we were just we just uh, went 
we're trying to go not mostly nonprofit, uh, which don't even ask me to explain the mechanics of that. It's wow. complicated. But yeah, so uh, yeah, we're we're going to have a nonprofit organization that's going to be overseeing our paper. But you know, in conjunction with that, you know, a few weeks before that transition happened. Um, you know, 40, 46 people uh, here at the two papers and our, at our website, which is philly.com, um, you, uh, you know, lost their jobs, including some good friends of mine, and that's just been what's been going on. And, and, and the thing that people need to understand is, you know, obviously in the Internet age, you know, for, you know, you know we, we, all, we all get our news on the Internet, and it's really geared towards, you know, fast-breaking news. You know, the news cycle went from a day to, you know, to, to, to minutes. And um, uh, so what gets lost in that and what there's, you know, when you're losing staffers and when, when there's this short-term focus, what gets lost is investigative reporting, like what the Boston Globe did in the movie Spotlight, where they had a team, you know, they have an investigative team of reporters. Uh, they decided they were going to investigate um, sexual abuse by priests in the Catholic Church, and uh, and they spent months doing that. And um, um, there are still investigative reporters. You know, there there are people who do award-winning work, but uh, you know, the numbers in that category in the business, I'd say, have probably shrunk by seventy, eighty, ninety percent. You know, and that's I mean, just, just just in the last fifteen years, basically. Yeah, just in the just in the last 15 years, you know. See, um, I knew it was bad, but I didn't realize it was that bad. And I, I think what a lot of people, you know, complain about with the news is, oh, it's all, you know, gossip, essentially. You're just reacting to things versus, you know, doing hard news. Um, yet people react by, you know, watching a lot of these shows that, you know, focus more on that or watching networks that focus more on that. And then they complain about not having, you know, the hard news or investigative reporting that speaks truth to power. So, you know, I think a lot of the times people just don't they either don't recognize that the two are affiliated with one another or they don't care enough about it. And I think when people do, they're kind of, you know, right. you, you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, being a journalist and I've been a journalist for, you know, over 35 years now. So, uh, I, I mean, I've seen I've seen a lot of changes in the business over over decades. And, and I lived. But, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Mark. I mean, when you talk to people outside of the industry about some of the things that go on and, and, and just about their own, you know, their own, you know, reading habits, you know, online or whatever, and how that affects things. Um, you know, like you said, I mean, um, uh, if you're going descri- to uh, survive as a digital enterprise, and it's been very hard, uh, you know, especially any, 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 any news organization that has a regional, regional focus, whether it's Boston or Philadelphia or Buffalo uh, or any of those cities, you know, it's hard, even, even if you successfully make a transition to a very focused digital first organization, you know, it's hard to, uh, as they say in the business, I kind of hate this term, but monetize, you know, those readers, you know, to, to uh, uh, the way that newspapers back in the 20th century were able to, uh, uh, you know, monetize their readers through big full-page ads and, and newsprint and that sort of thing. So, um, so, but, but to make money digitally, you do focus on the clicks, and, and, and so you, you do focus on the sensational stories, and, you know, when, and when you see at the end of the year, here's, you know, <clears throat> here's our 10 most read stories, and it's always, you know, you know, somebody, somebody had relations with a horse, you know, or, you know, or something you know, outrageous. That's that's going to get people to click on it. These crazy things that get shared on Facebook, you know, by all your friends a million times, and and you know, look, look, there's a you know, you know, stories that are funny or stories that are weird. There's a place. There's always been a place for that, and we love them. But but those are the ones that are going to get the most clicks. So if you're driven by clicks, you know, a six month or one year investigation by a team of reporters off in a room investigating the Catholic Church, 
you know, and then you get the clicks for that one week when their stories appear. That's that's hard. To, that's hard to uh, justify. Yeah, yeah if someone's only worried about the bottom line and the budget, uh, you know, that's going to be a problem. I want to transition. You know, you argue yeah. in your piece that American journalism uh, is under siege, and and that brings us to. Um, the story about photojournalist Chris Harris, which you describe um, in you know very detailed uh, writing about basically what happened, and then also why this is not you know um, an isolated incident. So why right. don't you just tell us briefly uh, for those who don't know or need a reminder what happened to Chris Harris on Monday, and um, why you say that this is not an isolated incident. Yeah, well, just, just quickly, Chris Harris, uh, I mean, here's a guy, he's, he's a contract photographer for Time Magazine. Uh, he's covered, uh, he's been in war zones, you know, he's been in Iraq and, and, and the Balkans and, and Libya and, and covered a number of other stories. So if we're talking about, you know, a seasoned veteran uh, photojournalist, uh, and he was at a Donald Trump rally in, at Radford University in Virginia, and uh, as has happened at a lot of Trump's rallies recently, there was a protest, some people from, uh, you know, who were affiliated with the Black Lives Matter movement. Movement got up. They made a ruckus. They were carrying signs. Um, now, now you have to understand. You have to understand that that, that um, the photographer, uh, more, uh, you know, uh, was was watching uh, uh, watching this scene from a. Um, what they call a press pen, which is, you know, what's that? I mean, it, it's kind of as bad as it sounds. I mean, uh, there's always been a press area. I've, you know, I've been covering, again, I've been covering presidential campaign events for like 30 years, and there's always been a press area where people can, you know, sit down and take notes and, uh, you know, now in the computer age, put their, you know, plug their laptops in and, and file their story. And it's an essential part, but um, it used to be a refuge for journalists, but journalists were certainly free to roam around the entire event if you want to do that because you want to talk to people who are supporting Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or whoever and ask them what they think of the race and why they're here and all that sort of thing. And um, increasingly, and I, I, want to, I want to stress this because uh, uh, Trump, from everything I, I've read and seen, is the worst. But uh, I, I know from my own experience and from what I've read that it's not just Trump. Other candidates do it, too, are you know now not letting reporters move around. It's like to go to this event, you have to agree to be in this pen and not leave, you know, and not go out of it. So, so when this Black Lives Matter protest happened, um, the photographer surged forward. Uh, apparently, uh, I, I'm not sure how the mechanics is exactly, but apparently he exceeded the boundaries of the press pen. And, um, By like so 18 he, inches, it was at 18 yeah, inches he, we're talking he, here. He said it was about a foot and a half, which uh, I, I, believe, I, believe, I believe him. And um, uh, he immediately found himself face-to-face with a U.S. Secret Service agent. This is like a whole other can of worms. You know, I mean, um, candidates... Uh, Certainly, as they raise in prominence, uh, are you know are entitled to, and it's probably a good idea that they have Secret Service protection. Uh, you know, particularly somebody who's high profile these days as Trump. Um, you know, I mean, uh, no matter what you think of a person's politics, heaven forbid something should happen. But but you know the duties of the Secret Service seem to have gone beyond just you know the life of the candidate or, you know, the, the, the body of the person that they're guarding. Now they're um, uh, helping the uh, event security remove protesters, and they're enforcing this press pen. They're, enfor- you know, they're helping the candidates enforce people not leaving these pens, and that's what happened. So, um, 
uh, he, he, you know, the, the Secret Service guy tells him to go back. Words are exchanged. You know, the photographer drops the F-bomb. Uh, uh, as I think I joked on Twitter, I guess his, his parents didn't have the talk with him about uh, how to address <laughs> the law enforcement uh, officer. But uh, but as you say, that's his constitutional right. That It's been ruled yeah, that you can... Yeah, to be clear, I mean, there's some confusion about this, but there shouldn't be any confusion. I mean, the courts have made it very clear that it's it's free speech for you to curse at a law enforcement officer. You know, whether whether that's a you know good idea in the real world or something everybody needs to think about for themselves but constitutionally it's protected speech um and uh but in this case uh it got the photographer uh choked and slammed to the ground and it was captured on film and it was a very brutal you know i mean not just like a you know little shove or something i mean he really got body slammed like you know ufc uh you know world wrestling style slam to the ground you wanted to so. say world wrestling federation didn't you back in the day versus world wwe or whatever the hell it is now huh yeah right <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm old school so <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm there with I, you but no i mean no no joking aside it was brutal i mean i i saw it, the guy was and then he's rubbing his neck after because you know he was choked i mean and i thought you 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 said it beautifully this seems like some two-bit uh banana republic um versus you know the united states of america we've got to take a quick break as you probably know the nature of uh radio here will but when we get back uh from the break i want to talk about um, and Will actually made a, a great uh, analogy uh, comparing um, what happens at a Trump rally. Some people don't know is when a protester, uh, you know, makes some sort of a scene, people are now supposed to surround them and shout Trump, 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 Trump. And Will uh, made a great reference to George Orwell's book, 1984, how it seems like the two minutes of hate, uh, which I thought was absolutely uh, brilliant. But when we get back, um, I want to go into a serious um, moment here where uh, what reporters with uh, without borders um, has dropped the United States uh, press ranking, uh, basically their ranking for press freedom uh, to 49th out of 180 nations and um, we'll tell you what they said when we get back why they did this and how it relates to Donald Trump if you'd like to give us a shout we only have a couple minutes once we get back the number is 888-6-LESLIE that's 888-653-7543 I'm joined again by Will Bunch check out his uh, Amazon Kindle single ebook which is called The Burn Identity, a search for Bernie Sanders and the New American Dream. If you want to uh, follow Will's work, please follow him on Twitter. His handle is at Will underscore Bunch. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. I am joined by Will Bunch, who's a veteran political journalist and author of the recent Amazon Kindle single, the ebook The Burn Identity, a search for Bernie Sanders and the New American Dream. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at under, uh, excuse me, at Will underscore Bunch. Uh, in the, uh, let's see, four minutes we have left, Will, I want to cover two subjects with you. Um, number one is, you pointed out Reporters Without Borders is dropping America's ranking for press freedom to 49th out of 180 nations, saying, quote, Donald Trump has brought his grudge match with the media to an extremely dangerous level for freedom of the press, end quote. 
So the first question is, how much worse do you think this could get if Trump is our next president? And with whatever time we have left, I want you to talk about what he has said about libel laws, if you would, please. Well, I, I, was, I was actually going to mention the libel laws from the, from the first half because uh, uh, I mean, what's been happening? You know, like we said, like we said, the Secret Service incident was not an isolated incident. Um, uh, you know, reporters have been yelled at. Uh, um, they've been ejected. Uh, you know, they've been threatened at, at his events, and and that's the first level. But what's even more alarming is is you know a couple of related things last week at one event last week. Um, uh, you know. Trump said that one of his, one of his goals, one of the things he would love to accomplish as president, would be to uh, weaken the libel laws in this country. In other words, make it easy for people to sue uh, journalists. I mean, again, getting back to the beginning, think about this spotlight investigation of of Catholic priests, uh, you know, by the Boston Globe. I mean, as a classic example of something that could easily have been shut down if uh, if the libel laws were different and were easier to sue people. And and in fact, I think you know, in England, which has more stringent libel laws in the U.S., you see investigative reporting shut down a lot by uh, by these kind of suits. And I mean, that'd be terrible. I mean, you know, like a lot of the things Trump says, uh, you presume this is something. You presume this is something that would have to be enacted by Congress, and that probably wouldn't happen. But uh, uh, you know, I mean, he's such an authoritarian figure. Who knows what he would try and do? And in fact. Uh, that leads into the next point, which is, uh, I forget if it was at the same rally or maybe a day later, he said, uh, I'm kind of shocked he said this in public and that it wasn't a bigger deal, but he said, uh, you know, that these newspapers that have written critical things about him, and he singled out the um, New York Times and the Washington Post, uh, he said that they're going to, quote, have problems, unquote, if he gets elected, which, I mean, to me, you know, talk about smacking a Richard Nixon, uh, you know, except Nixon at least said these things in private uh, and, until the tapes came out. But, you know, here he is at a rally, you know, and, you know, uh, there's all sorts of, you know, regulatory ways that a president and his administration could harass a big media organization like the Times or the Post, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, um, uh, you know, auditing their taxes or, you know, uh, uh, in the Post with Nixon, there was an issue about TV licenses that the Post had at that time and that needed to be approved by the FCC and, and, and those sorts of things. So, um, uh, you know, uh, that's just kind of alarming. And, and you know, and, 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 and that's been Trump's career. I mean, uh, he's aggressive. He retaliates against anybody who challenges him. But in a democracy, um, that's the role of the media to challenge the president. Yeah, I mean, uh, Will, just in our last minute, it, it's kind of astounding to hear that, especially with how he and some others have attacked, you know, what, whatever you think of them, our current president, President Obama, has withstood some pretty harsh criticisms. I mean, some not even factual, you know, talking about his birthplace and, you know, people just all over him for things that are both true and false. And he's never threatened to do anything like that. So, you know, Trump isn't even, you know, the nominee yet. And we're hearing these things. So I think it's pretty alarming. I definitely want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, we're definitely going to have you back. I think it would be interesting to talk to you more about how the media is covering this race um, as it goes on with your unique perspective, being uh, a journalist for over 30 years. Um, please follow Will on Twitter at Will underscore Bunch.